Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to Shades of Blue Soccer Show. This is Thad. Uh, ben, you on the line? Yes, I am. All right. Well, I just found out a few minutes ago Mike is not able to get in to uh, help us out tonight with the call. Uh, he might join us a little bit later, but we will be hopeful. So it's just you and me tonight, Ben. Sounds good. All right. Um, biggest probably... Uh, main thing we need to talk about initially is the uh, sporting game at Chivas. you want to break it down for people listening? Definitely. Um, after losing four straight, Sporting Kansas City rolled into uh, Los Angeles on Friday night, facing a Chivas USA team who was on a similar winless streak of their own, having, um, having not won a game since the middle of July. Um, and this was a game where Sporting really got back to form and simply outclassed Chivas. Um, for the first 40 minutes, uh, it, Sporting was controlling all the possession, but was but hadn't gotten the goal yet. Finally got the goal. Dom Dwyer in the 40th minute off a nice diagonal pass from Graham Ducey gets, gets Dom behind the defense and Dom scores the, the record-breaking goal, number 19, that is, the new Sporting Kansas City franchise record for a single season. Um, so that puts Sporting Kansas City up one nothing. Uh, Benefield Hubbard puts in another one right before the half to make it two nothing. Second half, all Sporting Kansas City again. Graham Zuzzi makes a nice move for a goal to make it three nothing, and then Claudio Bieler, um pulls. Well, it, it, it seems like a classic uh, Dwyer move. Pressures the ball for the defender to make a bad backline pass and then beats the keeper and finishes it for the goal. So Sporting wins 4 nothing in a match where they really definitely should have won. I would have been shocked if they hadn't won. And really, I guess, I don't know if making a statement, considering the different talent levels of the two teams, but that was definitely a very good, it was a win that Sporting needed to stop the slide and to get points, and it seemed that they definitely should have beat. Do you think that this takes uh, Sporting out of their slump? I mean, Chivas is bad. I mean, they're not record bad, but they are bad. Is this uh, is this Sporting getting back to the way they're playing, or is this just another team beating up on the, the little kids out in L.A.? What do you think? Uh, it'll be tough to say until we see this team against New England next Friday. Um, but it looked like that they were back to – being good and considering the way that considering Chivas' weaknesses which is well pretty much everything especially since they didn't have Kubo up top to give them any sort of uh, offensive attack Sporting Kansas City's pressure a high pressure system is is a really bad mixture for Chivas uh, considering their defensive woes so I think it was was a perfect systematic matchup for Sporting to really take advantage and score a lot of goals and they did um and I think they did show improvement in the New York match coming off of the New England match a couple weeks back. So what I'm hoping is that was just 
the um, continuation of getting back to form that started in the New York National, and now they're back. But like I said, we won't know until they face MLS level competition on um, next Friday. Now we do have a couple of matches before then, Saprisa on Thursday, and then Real Estelli uh, next Tuesday, both at home. And it's debatable. Uh, Real Estelli is definitely MLS league competition. Um, Saprisa is more is better than Estelli, but I, I I don't know if we'll be out. I think I don't know if it'll be safe to say we're out of the slump until um, next Friday. Yeah, I think that will – I think how they end up coming out against Saprisa will tell us a lot. If they come out with their normal uh, pressure, their normal air, that will give us a big indication um, of if they're out of it. Because most of the time, to me, when they weren't playing that well, it was – you could see it. They were going through the motions, but they weren't winning balls. They weren't pressuring as hard. They weren't being in the right spots. They weren't – knocking uh, plays down before they got started, things like that. It was just all those little things added up um, that kind of told us, even if we didn't realize it at the time, what was going wrong. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, Definitely. All right. Um, I'll go ahead if you were going to say something. Sorry. Um, No, well, I'm just thinking that I, I, considering the, the break that Sporting gets between MLS matches, they can afford to pull, put out a full-strength lineup against the Priesta on Thursday. So I think we we might get more of a preview of how, how they're coming out of their slump, especially in, in, in a Champions League play. This is really a must-win game for them. Uh, but both these games are. So we'll probably see as full-strength as full of a lineup as we can. Yeah, and uh, speaking of this being a uh, kind of jumping a little ahead of where we were going to, but I talked to uh, Peter today about the Saprisa game and just asked him, you know, how key it is. Uh, he kind of downplayed it a bit, but uh, I'll go ahead and play that clip now and instead of later. So here's uh, Vermees talking about the importance of the Saprisa game. How important is it to get the result uh, against the Parisa this week? I mean, you got to take your points at home if you can. I mean, that's what it's all about. But uh, I, I never look at the, the the group is the group, and it's it's you got a lot of games in it. So e- each game is is its own game, whether it's home or away. But obviously, you want to take your points if you can when you're home, and uh, try to steal some on the road. So uh, it's an, it's important, sure. Um, but it doesn't, I don't think it is, whatever happens at the end of that game, whether we get the points or we don't, it's not, it's not going to be the defining moment, you know, because the group has to play itself out. No, that's classic for me is because uh, in um, league play, he'll say every game is important and, you know, uh, and then here in a tournament where every game truly is important, it's, uh, not you know, the, the whole thing doesn't depend on the one game. But it kind of does depend on the one game in this case. If they lose to Saprisa, they stand very little chance, I'd say, of actually going to Saprisa, getting a result, and moving through. I mean, what do you think? Uh, I definitely, I do not want to leave any points on the table going into that final match. So, um, 
Saprissa is a tough place to play. It's a notoriously tough place to play. Um, and Saprissa is a decent team. They are better than Olympia, where Sporting was able to go down and get a 2-0 result last year. Um, they are better than Real, we wish Sporting Kansas City had trouble breaking down and each out a 1-1 result again. I don't want to have to go down and need a a result um, in that type of situation. I think that if Sporting KC can take care of business at home, get six points, then they're sitting at the top of the table with seven points, um, and Dupree will have only one match up against Sporting, which it's a must win. I can't remember the exact, no, the exact names off the top of my head with all the possible scenarios, but it, getting these points at home, these are the easiest chances at points that Sporting is going to get after that uh, road draw. If they they need to be a Stanley. they and I think that they definitely need to be Supreme at home. I think that this is going to be the one of the defining games of the group stage for uh, group number two, because if points are left on the table, um, going into the fourth match day in Costa Rica in the middle of October when Sporting's trying is focusing on getting that top spot in the East, I'm not sure I like their chances very much. I think that I think right now Sporting has a talent level a, a talent level greater than Saprisa, but you throw in a home field advantage and I think that's to become a, about even or so. And I, in that type of situation, in the condensed number of games that they have in this tournament, I don't want to leave anything up to chance. So I, I, I disagree with Bermuda on this. I think that this game is one of the most important of the group stage. Yeah, and I would agree, Ben. And that's kind of what I mean with Bermuda, uh, though, is he'll, he'll play up the less important games and he'll play down the more important games. Um, I think that's to help keep his team be level and even keeled at all times. Um, I'm pretty sure that's just part of how he how he coaches them to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Just, you know, you want to say, yeah, the whole thing doesn't hinge on this one game. Well, you're you're completely accurate in the fact that it doesn't hinge on this one game. However, this one game can completely change how everything how the rest of it does go. You could still win the group without winning this game. You could potentially move on. You could potentially not move on if you do win this game. But it's the hardest game and the one that's the most important to get the max points out of. Yeah, definitely. And so, I mean, and that's just going in a very negative sense for me. uh, If I'm counting... If I'm extremely nervous about that uh, game in Costa Rica, I'm kind of already discounting it as a tie or a loss. Uh, Sporting KC could very well win these next um, three games and finish with ten points, would be which would be fantastic. Now I, I, I'm just not sure exactly how realistic it is. So I, I, I definitely see what Peter's doing when he's trying to kind of downplay the game to try to keep the team level, but. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just feel that this is a very important game. It's, it's a very important game um, that I think
think if Sporting wins this game, they're going to be in a lot better shape going into the final two games. Yeah, and uh, I think Mike just joined us, after all. You there? I am here. Sorry for being late, guys. Uh, that's okay. I uh, Trust me, I understand completely what you're going through. Um, we've we kind of uh, already recapped the sporting game, and we jumped ahead a little bit to talking about how the importance of the Saprisa match. Uh, I don't know where, where you came in listening exactly, but you got any quick thoughts on it? I mean, with, with Saprisa's win in uh, at home against Vespelli uh, a couple weeks ago, um, that puts a lot more pressure on this game, and I, I apologize if uh, if you've already gone over this basically. But the 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 win by the the win in Saprisa put puts uh, Kansas City basically in in close to a must win situation for this game basically at this point with um, with the way that uh, the the group lines up. I mean. We uh, they're, they're currently sitting on a on a plus three right now with their goal difference after their win. So for for us to uh, really to maintain uh, maintain pace and not have to go into the final final match day needing a a big win to advance, this is really a game that uh, that we have to win. It's it's it, it goes back to the old adage that we've talked about a lot, Thad, which is you have to win your home games and, and draw on the road. And uh, it, against the priests, this is a game that we really have to win to, uh, to if we want to advance. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's uh, pretty much in line what both Ben and I were saying, which is uh, came on the heels of me saying uh, the whole thing doesn't hinge on this one game. <laughs> and it actually kind of does at this point, Peter. We were, yeah, it, what I was saying was that uh, we, we kind of understand he downplays the important games, and he's he's right. The whole group stage doesn't hinge on one game, but but at this point, it kind of does. After the results that have led up to this point, exactly. I mean, especially with the with the two home games in the span of a week, um, it's going to be it's going to play a big role. And on top of that, um, up to six of Supreme's starters are are going to be coming into this game with, with a at, off of a heavy schedule basically because six of their players played in the uh, Copa Central Americana that just finished up this past weekend. So they they uh, according to the Supreme's site, all six of them traveled with with the club up here. So the, so the, there's the potential for for some tired legs on the Supreme team, and that's something that. Should it come down to it, that's something that uh, Kansas City is going to have to be very aware of. And it, I know this is uh, probably a little more detailed than I was originally thinking about going into, but Saprisa's—it uh, seems like every couple of weeks we would see that they've like traded another player or, or sold another player or lost another player off their roster. It seems like they—we we talked about how strong they were, but they're not quite the strong team that they were six months ago when we when we found out this draw or whatever how many months ago that was. No, they're not. I mean they've they've gotten rid of uh Yeltsin Tejeda and then uh Waston, the guy who uh recently signed with uh Vancouver. So I mean they they've lost some um some of their more high profile players, but they they've still got 
they've still got a, a lot of a lot of good talent. I mean, they they've brought in they uh, they they have a very good youth pipeline in, in Costa Rica for their club. I mean, it, it's amazing how they continually seem to bring in new blood to uh, to, to help the roster. Right. Um, ben, anything to add? Um, no, and I guess we'll talk more about this game uh, Wednesday uh, when we, when we preview it, but. Um, it's going to be, and I'm just going to stick by it, that this is the game Sporting should win. Should and uh, truly needs to. Yes. Right. We kind of kind of slid into this somehow, but uh, we were still talking about the Sporting win over Chivas a little bit. Um, Dom breaking the record. Um, actually, I talked to Dom today also and ask him about, you know, what it means to break the record, and I'm going to play that clip now, if that's okay with you guys. All right, here goes. Breaking the record, what did that mean to you personally? I was delighted. Uh, I mean, obviously a big goal of mine, and, uh, you know, something that I, I need to accomplish, so I wanted to, you know, accomplish my personal goals at the end of the season, so that's, that's positive, and obviously we're back to winning ways, most importantly, so it's, um, you know, it's good for us, and it's good coming to the playoffs. I know you, you. You said you set a lot of goals at the beginning of the season and stuff like that. Was one of them actually breaking the goal? The well, my target I set myself for goals is higher than the record. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, do you think many people would have believed it if you uh, had said that? Uh, I don't know. Um, you know, I believed in myself and you know realized it was a realistic goal of mine and something I thought I could achieve. So um, you know, I still haven't achieved my goal yet. So I'm still hungry and um, you know, obviously I want to win again. So how, how close are you to that goal? Uh, I'm not far away. It's in the 20s, um, but you know, still need a strong, strong finish at the end of the season, and um, you know, I should get there. I mean, I, I know everybody's focused on the, the 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 record and setting the record and all that stuff going forward, but in reality, I'm pretty sure you care more about the the league wins and stuff in the long run. Right? Absolutely, yeah. I just, I, like I said, I want to win. Um, I want to win every game, so you know, obviously, I have to score to help it happen, but it's not. That's not most important to me, you know. I just want to win. Um, you know, you're successful as a team. Um, it's, a, it's a team game. You know, I thank my teammates for, for giving me the ball and me scoring 19 goals so far this year. But um, you know, it's, it's that's what it's about. It's about the team, and to be successful, you have to be successful as a team also. Traditionally, in, in soccer, uh, different positions have like a different age where they kind of come to maturity. You know, goalkeepers, you know, they might be 30 before they really are. Fully mature strikers are much younger because they they have all that wear and tear on their body and they got to be aggressive. How how close do you think you are to your peak at this point? Uh, to my peak, uh, I still got I still got three or four years I think till I till I reach my peak. Um, you know I'm still learning and still developing. So you know I'm I mean it's my third year as a professional. Um, you know so it's normally you know you're seven, six, seven, eight years down the line before you reach your peak. You know if you come into the right age so. Didn't start till I was what 21. Um, you know, so I'm 24 now, so I think I got till I'm 28 or so. I think I'll reach my peak then. So I'm just ready to climb and get better, and you know, just improve and score more goals. All right, that was a, a little long, but I didn't have a good place to cut it. I kind of wanted to get all that in there. Um, how high do you think Dom can go this year? Uh, Well, well, depends. 
depending on, uh, I, I think that he'll end up getting at least twenty goals. Uh, five games left. He, I'm, I'm, he, I think he's bound to score in at least one of them. Um, especially if Sporting drops penalty, he'll he'll get the twenty. If he, uh, how many more? Um, I don't know. I, I I can definitely see him ending up with twenty one, twenty two goals. Um, it, just based on it looks like he's coming. He he's gotten some because uh, he had a that bit of a cold spell uh, past couple games. That's just gone along with uh, Sporting's cold spell, and hopefully that Chivas game will help get the entire team's confidence back. They'll start getting the ball back to the middle where he can. Uh, put it home. So I, I definitely see him getting at least 20 goals. Um, probably won't win the Golden Boot just because Wright Phillips is been doing really well, although he did pick up that hamstring injury. So if Wright Phillips is out for a couple of games, Tom could definitely catch up. How about you, Mike? I, I mean, I don't think Dom's hit his peak at this point. I think he's got he, – he has the ability to, to – continue to do well and i mean if teams had thought he'd hit his peak we that there wouldn't be uh that there wouldn't be rumors of clubs in england still uh still looking to uh come in and make a deal to pick him up so i i don't think he's reached his peak as for this year i think um i think uh Precky's all-time uh for all competitions record of 22 from '96 uh, could very easily fall uh, fall this year with with five league games, um, at least one playoff game, uh, and then uh, uh, two three more Champions League games. So that that is uh, an, that that is at least nine games for him to to score uh, three to four more goals to tie or break that record record. So. I really think Dom is is gonna gonna break that record as well this year and and set himself apart from uh, from Precky's '96 season as a whole. So I, I and from there I, I really yeah he, he he's not I, I don't see him really stopping it unless he uh, unless he makes the wrong move. Um, Back to England or wherever he were, were to uh, end up going, I, I think he'll he'll continue to do well. It's just a question of if and when he does move. If it's a if it's a situation where he's going to do well in, or if it's going to be a situation, unfortunately, like tomorrow, where he's where he's not going to uh, it succeed as well and end up uh, end up stalling his career a little bit. Well, and that's always the issue when people leave MLS is going to a team that uh, A, is the right level for them, and B, uh, they're going to get starts and get time and not lose confidence. And, you know, especially uh, certain players need to have, you know, touches on the ball. They need to be playing in order to keep their uh, uh, form. It's that double-edged sword. You you lose your form, you don't get time, you can't get time, you can't get your form back. Um, so if he did, he would definitely have to be with a team, I think, where he'd be playing a lot. But Dom's almost one of those guys who I think would feed off of that and just, you know, uh, maybe even get better. Uh, in the long run, though, what, I mean, let's just play a hypothetical for a second. He's He scores another couple goals. Uh, somebody comes and 
makes an offer that Sporting can't refuse in the off season, and he goes to say the championship or someplace like that. Doesn't matter. Where does he stack up? You know, if he sets, you know, he's got the record. He'll set, you know, knock it up another one, two, three, four goals, whatever it is. How does he compare to Sporting's legends, Sporting's heroes of the past? You know, how does he compare to to the Preckies and everybody else? Ben, what do you think? Well, uh, Sporting keeps uh, inducting three um, legends every year. I think Don won't get inducted in the next couple of years or so, um, just because they'll have run out of players. So based on this season, he'll get inducted. Um, you know, I think this is a very special season. And considering the season he had last year, where he went down to Orlando City and dominated, um, no pun intended, um, and then came up, uh, adjusted for a bit, and then was able to score a couple goals. Had that goal in against Houston at one of the one of the more iconic goals of that season, just because it was the um, it, it was the goal that sent Sporting to the MLS Cup. So, well, it, it, I mean, it was a more of the skill came from Telhab on that play, but still one of the more iconic goals of that season. And then you have this season where he breaks the record. He's contending for the Golden Boot. He, it's kind of hard to put him up against um, all, all the legends. I think that it's a very, very special season. But it, it, I think we still need a couple more seasons before we really rank him against uh, some of the sporting legends like Precky and um, and Conrad and all that. Well, how about you, Mike? I mean, you you, you see, like the uh, like Molnar, he wasn't a uh, uh, sporting legend, but he was honored, and he, he is, you know, he didn't score as many goals, but you can kind of think of some guy who make a comparison to him that was only here for one year, but was such a key contributor for that year. Dom's here for a couple years at this point and set a record. How do how do you see him stacking up against those legends at this point? I mean. Actually, I think Molnar is probably the best comparison that you you can make for uh, for Dwyer at least at this point. Yeah, Dwyer was it has been around longer than uh, than Molnar has, but really um, Molnar's Molnar or I'm sorry, not Molnar. Dwyer's only had this one season, um, and it, it's been a as Ben said, it's been a memorable season. But it, it's it, it's one of those that. Uh, unless he sustains it, I, I don't see him as a as a legend in the sense of of uh, Conrad, uh, Miola, Precky, those likes. I, I see him as the uh, as the one off uh, the 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 one season favorites, the the likes of uh, of Molnar, the likes of um, who else. Um, the the likes of Hartman for a couple seasons, just the guys that were here that aren't legends f- because of f- for all the factors that I feel makes a legend, but the, the guys that are kind of a tier below, maybe they weren't here long enough, or maybe they were here a while, but they weren't great during that time. So I, I think he, he, he would fall into that category with, with uh, Molnar, really. Yeah, I would, I would see him having to be here for at least one more year and a key contributor in one more something. 
uh, Open Cup, uh, MLS Cup, you know, uh, even advancing to the next stage of CCL, you know what I mean? Something um, something key where he plays a part in it, you know, and scores another double digits kind of goals. And then it could, I could almost see him being one of those legends after just two main years. And I know he was here last year, but really just the last couple of months was he contributing for sporting. Let's see. Any other thoughts on Dom and or the uh, Chivas game? Since we kind of went back to that for a second. Let's see. Okay, sorry. Um, going back to my notes for a second, guys. Sorry for the the uh, dead air there, or, or not much being said. Um, any. Any topics that uh, anybody wants to bring up that we haven't talked about already? Mike? Well, I mean, without knowing what you guys have have already brought up, um, I I honestly don't have a whole lot. Um, The the one thing today was the the roster freeze. Um, I think we kind of touched on it a bit last week, but... Um, sporting ended up not making moves. Actually, really nobody made moves save for uh, a couple homegrown signings by the uh, by the three Canadian clubs. Um, for the most part, it was a it was a very quiet day. I'm not. Um, I I mean I believe I believe I read that Colorado's still going to officially announce the Zat Knight signing soon. But for the most part, the um, the it, it was a very quiet day when it came to uh, deadline the. Uh, roster freeze and i mean you there are any number of reasons for that the uh the cba coming up the expansion draft coming up not wanting to uh bring in guys that you're going to then have to choose to protect or expose in the expansion draft and all that so uh there there were plenty of good reasons for it it just still was surprising that some teams didn't try to make a move including kansas city Yeah, I'm not sure if uh, there's just nobody out there or nobody, like you said, there's so many variables right now with the CBA and the expansion drafts and um, who knows, maybe a Chivas dispersal draft. Uh, there's so many factors out there. Who knows what uh, might be happening. It's a, it definitely leaves a lot of uncertainty in a uh, MLS technical director's mind at this point, doesn't it? Very much so. Mm-hmm. And Ben, uh, as I say, Ben, you have anything you wanted to bring up? Yeah, um, talking about expansion drafts got me thinking of that uh, Sports Illustrated report that came out um, right before the game Friday night about how Chivas might sit this game, sit next season out. Um, Brian Strauss on the uh, report. So if that ends up being true, and we play with twenty teams next year. This is the league wide what and kind of talking about what happens with um the Chivas players because they're not going to just uh necessarily sit out a year. There's been there's a talk there's talk in some that article there's some talk in that article. I just saw hypothetical if that uh article ends up uh coming true, she was sit out. Uh, one of the options that he put it from the league source was a dispersal draft. Um, 
or players being loaned out by Chivas to play for other clubs in 2015. So I'm just trying to think, has there ever been a year, especially during the early 2000s, when when Tampa and Miami folded, uh, when there's been both an expansion draft and uh, dispersal drafts in the same year? The, there's never been a, a dispersal and uh, expansion draft in the same year. The uh, Tampa and Miami folded after the uh, 2001 season, and then uh, expansion didn't actually take place again uh, until 2005, basically. Um, but... Uh, it, when it comes to a dispersal draft, the the big the big thing that'll hurt that will really hurt the draft when it comes to uh, Chivas is the fact that most of their really contributing players are here on loan. I mean, specifically Torres. Um, uh, actually, in, in in our game against them on Friday, they started four guys that were in on loan: Torres, uh, Barrera. Um, Borja and then uh, Zavaleta. So I mean, the, cl- getting closing in on half their starting lineup against us uh, on on Friday night was, is loan players, and the the deal there it, it's a question of uh, of how those loans would work it, when it comes to a dispersal draft. And then you have the likes of Eric Avila, who is apparently going to be going to Mexico to play with Santos Laguna. So really. I don't think there's a lot in terms of talent on uh, on Chivas USA's roster that will really bring in a lot of activity in a dispersal draft. I mean, yeah, you'll you'll have the likes of of uh, Dan Kennedy who will who, who will go high, but um, Marvin Chavez might get taken. Uh, Jean Baptiste might get taken as a as a cheap fill-in at at uh, center back for a team, but for the most part. They're not going to. There aren't going to be a whole lot of guys taken. In fact, I would expect. Uh, well, actually, Chivas doesn't have a first round pick this year. They traded it to Toronto, but I would almost expect their draft picks to be more valuable than uh, some of the players on their roster at this point. That's kind of sad, isn't it? Actually, it'd be sad if it wasn't happening to Chivas. Yeah. All right. Um, the it would be it will, it will be very interesting to see if there's a dispersal draft and a uh, expansion draft all at the same time. It, it, who knows what's going to happen with Chivas? I mean, at this point, I would because none of that was official. I mean, that was just that was the article that came out, but nobody has officially said that they will set out at this point. True. True. Um, in fact, I thought the their. Um, I thought their GM was basically saying that, you know, they were still planning on playing, and they, you know, of course, he probably politically has to say that at this point. Yeah. Especially if they're Um, they're still looking for a buyer. Yeah, and I mean, you know, while I will talk bad about Chivas, I do hope that the team moves, does something, I know they talked about in that interview that they were trying to find a buyer in a location in L.A. Because if, if New York can kind of support two teams, even though one of them is really not New York, uh, I think if any place that could support two teams is L.A., as large as it is, as large as the population is, I think it's always been one of the bad things of putting them in the same location. Uh, 
find some place to put them, find another population out there, and, you know, continue to grow the strength of the league instead of letting them drag it down at this point. All right. In other news that's not sporting-related... Uh, FC Kansas City, the NWSL had their waiver draft for postseason. FC Kansas City did not waive anybody, but they did actually draft one player up off the waiver wire um, named Raphael Salza. I'm not probably pronouncing that correctly, but she was with Houston. And according to uh, FC Kansas City's technical director, Hugh Williams, she was a player that was on their draft list. but she was taken before they uh, had a slot that they wanted to take her at. And they uh, jumped at the opportunity to bring her in off the waiver wire. And other local team news, Comet re-signed Lucas Rodriguez, which is the first player I think they've announced in their, uh, of re-signing after the new league was formed. That's, I mean, they haven't mentioned anybody else, have they? Uh, Mike, that you've seen? Not that I've seen, but I, I seem to remember that didn't Waltman sign a two-year contract last year? Yeah, but my understanding is with the new league, all contracts were voided. That, that's fair. I just I, I was just going off of what I remembered. So, but yeah, that that is a fair point that the uh, the, the dissolving of the MISL basically. Um, w- would lead to that likelihood. So yeah, that that makes sense. So when I when I say that, my understanding is that while all contracts were uh, basically voided with the MISL uh, because of the the expansion, the disbanding of that, when the MASL was formed, basically teams were allowed to lay claim to their own players. So they kind of locked them in again without contracts, and they have a negotiating period to to negotiate contracts in before they would become a free agent. So what I was told was that uh, pretty much comments are negotiating with their entire team from last year. They won them a championship, and they plan on doing it again. Yeah. One other thing that I don't want to take a lot of time on for this podcast uh, or – but just the college soccer is back in swing. Uh, and I just wanted to do a really quick rundown, if you guys don't mind. Uh, UMKC, the, their women's team, is 3-3-2, uh, three wins, three losses, two ties. Uh, doing pretty good. Their men's team, uh, one win, two losses, and a, a draw. So they're, they're struggling a little bit. But their leading scorer is uh, Jordan Rideout, sporting academy player, uh, son of Paul Rideout, former Wizards player. So he, I think he's le- their leading scorer with two goals. The Mizzou women, I uh, think there are six wins, one loss, and two draws, but they've had a big win over uh, North Carolina early in the season. Anytime you can win over North Carolina on the road as a women's team, you should pretty much be happy with that. Brian Blitz, their coach, has... Uh, just got his 200th win at MU. And also locally, Kansas University's women's team is 9-0. and That's uh, their best record to start the season by far. They've not always been the strongest team in the Big 12, but they're uh, 
they they set the record at seven and zero, and now they're at nine and zero. So they're continuing to do pretty good. So that's my college roundup for the for the night. Did I forget anybody that I should have covered in that? Oh, let me I mean, you, you could cover some of the lower divisions. There, there's Baker, Benedictine, Avila, a bunch of other local schools that Rockhurst, for another one, for example. But uh, I mean, you, you covered the you covered the big ones. Um, and if anybody's interested, I should have uh, another academy players update uh, on the blog uh, late tonight as well. So for those of you that want to keep up more specifically on Rideout and the other players that are uh, that that are that came through the academy and are now in college. Yeah, I was just kind of looking at the teams overall. Not not sporting academy players since actually of the four that I covered, three of them were women anyway. But that's the Division One uh, NCAA Division One schools that are local to Kansas City area. So, all right, anything else for this week, guys? Uh, no, I'm good. Any last words? All right. Mike? I'm I'm good. I've got I've got nothing else this week. All right. Uh sorry for a little disjointed this week. We kinda got out of order a little bit. Um but that's gonna happen sometimes. And this is that from Blue Ben from the Blue Testament and Mike from down the byline dot com. Uh obviously we want you to listen to the podcast and read the blogs as much as possible. So talk to you guys, and thanks for joining, guys. Have a good night. From the front porch, there's a party on in here. Well, it's a football night. Well, it's a football night. We can gather all our friends all around the stove. It's not a bad thing to do. Well, it's a football night. Well, it's a football night. When I find out it's the blood, you know we're going to feel all right. Where's the fun for night? Where's the fun for night? We can gather all the friends all around the stove. That's not about a thing to do. Where's the fun for night? Where's the fun for night? When I find out what's the blows, we're gonna celebrate tonight. When I find out what's the blows, we're gonna celebrate tonight. When I find out what's the blows.